It's Monday, July 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Mark Reese. Happy Monday, gentlemen. Happy Monday. The Happy Merger Monday. Woo! I was going to say, like this morning, I was looking on the way in, and I said, man, it's. Should give Chris a call, drop him a tweet or some his Merger Monday again. Well, yet again, we seem to be saying that more and more, and it's certainly the case today. So we will get into the mergers happening in the world of discount retail and online real estate, and of course, another impending IPO. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll get to all of those. Let's start with online real estate. Zillow is buying Trulia. Is that how you pronounce it? Is it Trulia or Trulia? Trulia. I thought it was like Julia with a T. I think it's Trulia, but mm. I. I've always said Trulia, but Trulia could be either way. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, now, think, now it's pronounced Zillow. So <laughs> maybe no. Well, no. In fact, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zillow is buying Trulia. I'm going to assume it's like a data, data, Caribbean, Caribbean. You can pronounce Probably. it. Tomato, tomato. Exactly. Uh, three and a half billion in stock. That represents a premium of about 25% over Trulia's closing price on Friday. This is. Uh, kind of a, a a massive company now. If you're looking at market share, when we when when you just look at the universe of online real estate listings, etc., this combined entity, Jason, is going to control more than sixty percent of the market. And yet, based on our conversation this morning and based on your Twitter feed, you seem to be, if not a fan of this deal, you seem to be scratching your head a little bit. Well, I mean, it's I I, I get it. I mean, they're they're trying to, you know. Get bigger. I mean, Spencer Raskoff was very clear. They're they're pursuing sort of that brand portfolio strategy where they they have you know other brand names under their like Street Easy and Hot Pads. And so to be clear, I mean, Trulia will go will go into the Zillow family. It will still be known as Trulia. Um, so you know whether you're a Zillow user or a Trulia user or both, I mean, you'll still be able to use both apps. I mean, I I, I what has me scratching my head really is, is just the price here. I mean, I, I think that. Um, you know, I've always said I like Zillow the business. I really do. I think it's it's an interesting business. It certainly changed my mind from the IPO uh, to now. It, it, but wow, I mean, when you look at the valuation here, uh, I mean, the and the market has to be scratching its head too because you know it's it's the offer of three and a half billion dollars. I mean, it's it's worth noting I mean, that at this point, truly, is still valued at about two point three billion, right? Uh, by by the market today. So, I mean, I think the market's probably scratching its head over that valuation as well. I mean, for everybody that's out there, kind of like scratching your head, or people who are out there griping about about valuations, always complain about Amazon being so overvalued. We just throw a couple numbers at you. I mean, today, this offer. That Zillow's making applies a valuation for Trulia at 593 times operating cash flow. Now that sounds like a big number, right? But we need some context. Zillow. That doesn't about- just sound like a big number. <laughs> I think we can all agree that's a big number. Zillow is valued at about 145 times operating cash flow. Amazon is valued at about 28 times operating cash flow. So that just gives you some idea of, of the metrics involved here. And, and it's worth noting uh, Zillow, Zillow at least, truly, I believe, too, but Zillow is, is not yet making any money. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's a big market opportunity, no doubt. And I mean, it's in line with the company's strategy. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's it just seems like a really, really high price tag. Well, and to that point, Mark, you look at the reaction for both stocks. I mentioned the Deal on the table represents a markup of about twenty five percent. Trulia's stock is up about nine percent, and Zillow shares down about five percent as of this taping. So this is this is a deal that 
it doesn't seem like investors are falling all over themselves about. And I understand that. Um, like you said, 61% of the market will now be owned by Zulia, or however you want to say it. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, so real estate advertising is where these companies get the majority of their uh, revenue. And the total spending on real estate advertising in the U.S. is about $12 billion. So Zillow and Trulia together have less than 4% of that. That's a pretty small amount at the end of the day. It's a very fragmented market as well when you look at real estate online. For instance, I moved a couple of months ago. I looked at Zillow. I looked at Trulia. I also looked at just DCApartments.com and stuff like that. It's There are lots of little niche players in this market that, while it's great that the two biggest players in the market are combining forces, I still see a lot of competition out there. I still see a lot of fragmentation out there. It's a great deal for Trulia because it suddenly gets a lot bigger. Zillow, it's a lot of money. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, and, and just based on what you just said, uh, Spencer Raskoff would put you in the minority of people out there because mm-hmm. one of the comments he made, and uh, I don't know if we mentioned Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow, one of the comments he made about this deal is what they've seen is very little overlap mm-hmm. in terms of traffic. So people who visit Zillow's website tend to stick on their site. People who visit Trulia's tend to stick there, and there's very little overlap putting you in the minority. And I'm, I'm fine with that, because in, in when I, I really did do this when I was looking for my apartment a couple of months ago, they, they seemed interchangeable to me. I, I see the synergy there, I suppose. I, I, I don't understand how there's no overlap, because they're more or less the same site in my eyes. And that's an, th- th- those are untrained eyes. Those are somebody who's just coming in looking f- to rent an apartment. Uh, yeah. who's never done that before. I mean, there is going to be some overlap, I mean, regardless of what anyone wants to tell you. I mean, there's, there's of course, going to be some. I mean, it's probably not as significant uh, because it does seem to be that, you know, the, the sort of boots on the ground, you hear people, they prefer one or the other. Uh, you know, I, I agree with Mark there. I think there is a lot of competition out there still. And, and I mean, it, it, Zillow and Trulia and, and Redfin, they all, they all focus on, you know, real estate in particular. But it's not, it's not to say that you know, there there's not someone who can come in there and and disrupt or maybe enter the fray, try something different. Uh, you know, again, I mean, it's it's it's. So I'm sp- I was speaking with Nate Weishar a little bit earlier. You know, Nate was over in the UK for a, a few years uh, doing some stuff over there for us with Share Advisor, and, and he was talking about a you know a company over there that basically has a stranglehold on the UK market. It's like their version of Zillow is called Right Move. And I mean, they hold somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty or ninety percent market share at this point. Mm. Uh, so I mean, I guess part of what I wonder is just sort of when you look at the market opportunity in general. I mean, you can argue that social media companies, for the most part, are, are extremely overvalued as well. I mean, I, I think we would all agree that they are they are fetching some hefty valuations. But I, I mean, I would also argue they have significantly larger user bases. Uh, they have significantly larger market opportunities. Certainly, more optionality. Um, where that's concerned, and so I, I, you know, I, I think you could at least understand why maybe the the expectations would be potentially more optimistic for for that kind of a market there. But I guess what I wonder with Zillow in, in sort of this portfolio and uh, you know strategy is at some point do they pursue an international opportunity? If they do, well, that's going to probably entail you know more acquisitions uh, versus something like you look at like at Netflix for example they've pursued this tremendous international opportunity and it's been purely organic right they just go into these countries they open up shop they work out deals with content providers and it's it's Netflix not having to make all these acquisitions so it's not to say it can't work it, it obviously can but it's definitely a riskier strategy and, and and I think that you know the market is a forward-looking mechanism this deal 
values Trulia <laughs> very, very forward-looking. And so I, I think that, you know, I, I'm just a big believer that price always matters. I feel like when you look at this deal, I get why they're doing it. I feel like $3.5 billion is just way, way overpriced. Well, let's get to a deal that Wall Street seems to like at least significantly better than this one, and that is in the discount retail space. And we'd heard for a while uh, amongst the three big names, uh, Family Dollar, Dollar Tree, and Dollar General, we had seen these reports and rumors about Dollar Tree, uh, Dollar General, excuse me, buying Family Dollar. And in fact, what ends up happening is Dollar Tree is buying Family Dollar for $8.5 billion. It's a cash and stock deal. And you look at the stocks, Mark, and it does seem like, first of all, not only do we have Dollar Tree up about 4%, mm-hmm. uh, but Family Dollar, 23% premium is being paid for Family Dollar, and that's about what the stock is up today. So this right. really seems like, in this universe, investors like this deal a lot. And I understand that. So Family Dollar, of the big three, Family Dollar has been doing the least well, at least recently. Uh, you look at their last quarter, net income dropped to $81.1 million, down from $120 million year over year. It's pretty darn bad. Instead of expanding, they've closed 370 underperforming stores. Meanwhile, Dollar General is still trucking along. Uh, Family Dollar has just been falling behind, especially as you have more competition coming in from Kroger and Walmart with these smaller neighborhood stores. A Family Dollar was really starting to flounder at this point. Uh, and it's no, no wonder that we started hearing so much about it being acquired or doing some sort of acquisition or Carl Icahn just shaking his fist until something happened. Um, so I can see why people are happy for Family Dollar right now. Uh, if I was Dollar General, I'd start to be a little more worried right now. It, it's still the number one dollar store in America. But with Walmart, Kroger, and now Family Dollar slash Dollar Tree all forming a, a unified front against Dollar General, uh, I'd start to wonder what their next move is. Uh, you mentioned Carl Icahn. I should point out. Uh, so Carl Icahn, activist investor extraordinaire, comes out last month sort of pushing for this deal. Uh, Dollar Tree made certain this morning that everyone knew that actually we've been talking yeah. to Family Dollar about this since March. So if Carl Icahn wants to take a victory lap, that's fine. But uh, this deal seemingly has been in the works for months. But, Jason, something uh, that these two deals have in common, uh, the Zillow Trulia and Dollar Tree Family Dollar, in both cases, the acquiring company is letting or, I guess, deciding to have the acquired company keep their own brand, keep their own presence. Why is that? Well, I mean, you'll see it. It'll vary from deal to deal. I mean, it, when you look at something like Zillow and Trulia, I mean, it was hard to figure what Trulia had other than you know the brand and the eyeballs that Zillow didn't have, in the fact that they're keeping that brand separate and they run that sort of brand portfolio uh, answers that question. I mean, they see Trulia as a valuable brand and a site where they'll continue to get eyeballs. Um, Dollar Tree and Family Dollar. I mean, you look at something like that, and they're thinking, okay, well, number one, I mean, there there are eight thousand or so Family Dollar stores. Uh, you know, a tremendous tremendous amount of real estate, and they don't they don't really overlap. I mean, this deal will will integrate pretty nicely geographically speaking, and so you know, they're not like there's not a big brand 
sway one way or the other with with Family Dollar or Dollar Tree. I mean, they're not saying, "Oh, well, we're going to be Family Dollar, and now you know we we should take the Dollar Tree name or Dollar Tree name." I mean, they're all dollars, right? I mean, you get right. confused just saying the names, and that's why you know one of the reasons why this market just to me is is so uncompelling because it's just there's nothing memorable there. They're all they're all basically communicating just you know a dollar value. It's just nothing terribly exciting and so i mean they don't they don't need to waste the money really i don't think in trying to integrate everything into one brand because the brand just doesn't matter it doesn't communicate anything but value and they both communicate value but if you look at something like you know Kroger Harris Teeter deal that happened a while back i mean Kroger was looking to get more into that higher end grocer right. right and so they see a brand like Harris Teeter a much smaller brand 200 or so stores at the time it wouldn't have cost them very much to retrofit those stores and make them Kroger's but they take away that Harris Teeter brand in the process and i bet you a lot of customers defect and it'll go there from from that point on, and so I mean the the brand holds holds a lot more they're sway also, in that matter. In that case, they're also getting higher margins out of Harris Teeter. Oh yeah, than yeah, they're absolutely. Getting out of uh, just sort of the traditional. And that's a, that's a great point. I mean, you, you look at Kroger versus Harris Teeter. One com, one communicates more value than the other, and, and, and you know value is just code for for investors for lower margins. And and uh, it's kind of like that Chipotle versus McDonald's argument we've right. been talking about. You know, I mean. Customers go there for one reason or the other. The folks that go to Harris Teeter, they're not so focused on the value. They're focused more on the quality and the, and the wide assortment of, of offerings. But, Mark, to touch on something you uh, mentioned earlier, it does seem like at least part of the enthusiasm around this deal is people, investors, looking at Dollar Tree the way they have managed their business to this point mm-hmm. and saying, well, gosh, if they can sprinkle a little bit of the magic dust that they've used for their own business on Family Dollar, maybe – Close some more underperforming stores, mm-hmm. get the operations in line a little bit. Then, then this is a deal that makes a whole lot of sense for them. Yeah, absolutely. So Dollar Tree, uh, so the deal will give Dollar Tree more than thirteen thousand stores in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, for reference, Dollar General has about eleven thousand right now. So they get a bitter, big bit of a bigger footprint, which is always nice. And you're right uh, to Jason's point: the brands, while they will stay separate. Dollar Tree has got to be the one leading the charge with this. They've got to be the ones who keep saying, no, Family of Dollar, you need to keep shutting things down. You need to keep cutting costs. We'll take the lead for a little while. Once you get up to speed, then we'll really start looking at synergy, which uh, apparently is going to be very nice for both companies. So we'll see. If you thought Friday's IPO of El Pollo Loco... I meant to tell you before with, you go on. Go ahead. After we after we finished Motley Fool Money, I went and looked at for El Pollo Loco, the the closest location. We're going out to California here later this week. Yes. And I found one just across the bridge in Oakland, just you know minutes away. So we need to set this up. All right. We need to go there. Market research. I'm sure okay. we can probably expense it. I mean, you know, I would even take the selfless act of paying for my own meal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I like our chances of getting there. I like this. <laughs> um, El Pollo Loco stock <laughs> on Friday, first day of trading, up 60%. I caramba. I caramba. So, uh, you know, with the ticker symbol Loco, <laughs> I mean, all the jokes are there to be made about uh, the crazy IPO. And yet, I would argue that if you're looking for frothiness, over-enthusiasm in the IPO market, it is less El Pollo Loco on Friday and more today the news that Virgin America, yes, a discount airline, has filed to go public. Uh, if you're familiar with Virgin Atlantic and Richard Branson, the uh, British billionaire who owns a controlling stake of Virgin Atlantic, he owns about 22% of Virgin America. Again, discount airline, somewhat regional. They operate mostly in and out of Los Angeles and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And yet, 
I don't blame them one bit, <laughs> given the market and the run it's had and given the environment. And in fact, for all we know, seeing El Pollo Loco on Friday tip the balance to make people with the private equity firm and Branson say, you know what? Now's the if time. The, if the quick serve chicken restaurant <laughs> is popping 60% on day one, then why not? Mm-hmm. And yet, I am compelled to ask. Any interest in owning shares of a discount airline? Sure. I mean, what's more compelling than an airline investment, right? I mean, come on. It's, they have recently turned I, a profit. Yeah. Look I mean, they companies. have. You know, I mean, I, I, to me, no, not at all. I mean, I, I just have a no no interest in, in airlines whatsoever. I mean, I, to me, it's, it's just too much too too much capital required. It's just it's, it seems like it's a race to the bottom. You're just customers are always looking for the lowest price, the lowest fare. I mean, that's generally what people are looking for. So consequently, we've seen a lot of consolidation. And so to me, there's just eh, I don't see any, any real compelling reason to invest in. Now, I will say the one caveat is that because of Richard Branson's status here with his ownership stake. You know, I, he's the kind of guy you don't want to bet against, right? He, to me, is kind of like an Elon Musk. Hmm. And so, airlines notwithstanding, if there's one person who's going to kind of try to disrupt airlines to whatever extent, I feel like he's one who could potentially do it. Now, I'm not saying that compels me to invest in this company, but I, I certainly will pay attention to the story. I follow him on LinkedIn. I, I admire him. I think he's, he's a great businessman, a guy that obviously knows a heck of a lot and has done a lot of things. Um, so he's a guy I would never bet against. But but airlines in general, I just have zippy interest. Leather well, seats, purple lighting, <laughs> touch screens on the backs of seats. Come on, man. I flew I flew Air Emirates not not you know terribly long oh, ago. La da. And that was the same thing. I mean, this thing is like I think a totally state owned airline at the, at that point by by the UAE. And the, these planes were just just phenomenal. I mean, outfitted with just you know to the to the nines. But but I think even even consequently they had liquidity issues at some point. Mm. But but to that point, it is worth going back. And I'm sure you can just Google up. I'm sure there have been case studies written about that. It is worth revisiting the history. Uh, and Richard Branson's success in a lot of different industries. But when he launched Virgin Atlantic, mm-hmm. it's hard to remember just how unbelievably dominant British Airways was, how roundly mocked Branson was. What is wrong with you? Why would you launch a competitor to British Airways? It was so dominant. And the success that Virgin Atlantic has had over time, again, to your point, Make fun of Branson all you want. He seems like the sort of guy who has repeatedly welcomed that mocking throughout his history as a business professional. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't bet against the guy. Well, how much leadership does he have? So while researching this, apparently there are U.S. guidelines for outside ownership of of airlines. He only owns about, what, 22%, 22% of the yeah. Is that enough to guide the company? I, I think that uh, I think uh, it's enough to have at least you know a material impact on on the strategies that it pursues. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. and I think if you're the private equity firm that has the controlling stake, and the number I saw was I think seventy six percent. I think you look at Branson's track record, particularly in the airline industry, and he's got a seat at the table. He's a, he's someone you want to listen to. Maybe if push comes to shove, 
because you've got the controlling stake, you're not uh, going to go the exact same way he does. But right. I think that he, he's a guy you want to listen to. Yeah, I mean, he may not be able to call the shots, but I guarantee they're consulting him. They're probably everybody. Everybody in that room looks at him and thinks, "Well, that's probably the smartest guy in the room." Hmm. And you know, you're looking for that smartest guy in the room, and, and you want you want to get as much <laughs> feedback from him as possible. Uh, as Jason mentioned, uh, he and I and others here at the Fool are going to be going out to San Francisco. We have a member event, a Fool One member event uh, on Thursday. Uh, Pollo Loco, El Pollo Loco aside, I'm pretty excited about this. I am too. You know, I've never been out to San Fran. I've been to Costa Mesa before, but this will be a first time to San Francisco. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a short trip, but it'll, it'll be a good one. We'll get a lot of stuff in there. Mark, we'll try and get you out there next time. But well, No, uh, I'll be here. That's fine. You'll be yeah. here um, uh, helming the SS Market Foolery. Maybe we'll send him a Golden Gate selfie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we send him a photo from El Pollo Loco. Yeah, that's what, that's what I need. El Pollo here's Loco the, selfie. Here's the food we're there eating you that you're not. Like that. All right. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Tuesday.